Hey friends, welcome back to Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. Last week, we had my friend Nikki on the show, and while we discussed Malcolm Jamal Warner, we had another conversation that I thought I'd like to share with you. Love and Hollywood. Nikki and I are both single women who come at love from two different angles, even though sometimes our angles overlap. You're going to want to take notes on this episode because we talk about a lot of different movies. Hey friends, I just wanted to pop in real quick and say thanks for listening and sticking with us. I really appreciate it. And you taking the time to listen really means a lot. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, I would love it if you could drop us a review. I know it's not always an easy task or sometimes we think we'll do it real quick and then we get distracted. Heavens knows I'm the queen of getting distracted. It would really mean a lot to me if you just drop a couple of notes on what you think of the show. I would love it if you gave us five stars, but you know, you do you. I understand you have to be true to what your your belief system is about this program. With that said, and now here we go to the show. What would you like to see Hollywood produce now in terms of love? What kind of movies are we missing? What kind of love are we missing? Because I feel like we get a lot, again, we get a lot of that trauma. We get a lot of traumatic love. And that's why Sylvie's love was so powerful because it was raw and beautiful and pure and not centered around some sort of black trauma. Yeah. The love that I realized that I've enjoyed or that I've, um, keep coming back to is, and this probably really speaks to my character and probably shares a little bit too much, but living single, it's Kyle and Maxine, their love of two dynamic personalities people who are really good at what they do they don't need each other but you see consistently that they want each other mm-hmm. I love seeing that and I think because that's reflective of me not mm. to say that I'm on top of my game but to be so comfortable and centered in yourself and knowing who you are mm-hmm. Maxine never changes who she is <laughs> she's the same person throughout the entire series of the show right yeah Kyle uh, does a little bit of growing Maxine does a little bit later on but they are who they are. Yeah. They're in great places with themselves and they want love and they actually want each other. Mm -hmm. I like seeing that. I don't like seeing where people are reliant or needing each other. The, the conversations that I've had with family members where people get to, you know, the aisles and they're getting married and, you know, the nuptials and all, and they say, I've never felt complete until I met you. I'm like, yo, that's a fucking red flag if I've ever seen it. Mm-hmm. Don't go down that road. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Because I think people need to feel complete within themselves. Because when you're not, then you're looking for people to fill in those gaps for you. Right. And, and I don't think you should ever do that to anyone. And that's that's setting up an expectation that they may or may not be able to meet. And that's not fair. Because not you know- fair. How is anyone supposed to do that? And we're, and we're not- evolved enough to have that conversation of like, here's my deficits that I'm expecting you to fill. Like, we don't talk like that. We, we internalize those expectations. We talk about them with our friend group, but we never blatantly say in pop culture. And we see this a lot where there's this, we confer with our friends about our dating lives, but we never openly directly have conversations with the person we're dating. 
And I will be honest with you, that is something that I have made um, a mental point to change a couple of years back mm-hmm. where I've openly talked about triggers. What you're doing is triggering and this is why. In a calmly fashion because they don't know yeah. what they're doing, right? Right. Or saying things like, hey, just, you know, I'm not good at taking the trash to the curb. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's problematic. I my don't know war- what the deal is. My warning okay. sign is I don't do dishes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I'll take the trash to the container, but taking it to and from the curb, I don't know why. I just never seem to do it. Just a heads up. I think people need to have those honest and real conversations. But if you don't have those honest and real conversations with yourself, how would you ever be able to have it with someone else? Because you have to have those conversations with yourself, understand that you're at that place, how you got there, why you got there, and be so cognizant and aware of it that you can openly discuss it. That's why Beth and Randall in This Is Us is such a beautiful couple because Beth has no qualms. Like Randall's still learning how to have conversations because he's never really been in a position where he can, which breaks my heart because he's never really been in a position where he can fully and wholly be himself because he's never really been in a black community. So he's been sort of like, that's a whole separate conversation. <laughs> um, yeah. He, but Beth forces him into being open and direct with her because she's mm-hmm. open and direct with him. And I really appreciate that because it's showing us, it's showing couples, you can have a hardship in your relationship and still navigate with conversation. Yes. And, yeah. and they do it so beautifully, Beth and Randall do. And it makes me happy to see that. And, and I'd love to see more of that, not necessarily with Beth and Randall, but in general, right? Like having relationships conquer hurdles that are universal themes. And I'm just pulling scenarios from This Is Us. Like mom has dementia, the daughter yeah. comes out as, I think she comes out as bi, yeah. you know, different things like that, where it's like, these themes are not isolated to one culture no they're not at all but it all comes back to being honest with yourself because if you're Mm -hmm. honest with yourself you can communicate how you feel yeah right and that that is something that I have learned the hard way because I understood who I was but I don't think I understood why more Mm -hmm. importantly I can always communicate um like with precision Mm -hmm. this is what the deal is and that is something that I've working on and not to say that this isn't problematic uh, myself, but I have specifically been in situationships where I've told myself, okay, in this, you're going to work on doing X, Y, Z, right. And, and basically having like personal exercises to push myself to be the person that I know that I fundamentally need to be right. Whatever my flaws are, I need to know them. I need to identify them. I know my demons. Hell, I've named my demons. I say hello to them in the mirror sometimes yeah. because I know exactly who they are and where they're showing up and why, right? Yeah. But when you're in a relationship and you know that much about yourself, you can communicate why things bother you. Yeah. You can communicate how things bother you. You can comfortably say, hey, that bothers me, but I want to work on it with you mm-hmm. so we can move past this. Mm-hmm. And if you, I feel like if people can't fundamentally do that within themselves, they're going to have a hell of a time finding real love or true love the way that people always say they want. Right. Right. Because if I can't, like, it goes back to the conversation we had some time ago about coming home and, you know, helping shoulder those burdens that we experience out in the real world. 
you know, if I can't share that with you, then I'm not really truly comfortable. And then I'm never going to be in a position where I don't feel tension or anxious or, you know, some other negative emotion and being able to be a partner is so important. And that's the key. It's a partnership. And I think that for me was the biggest hurdle because I was never ready to be a partner Mm. now at this phase in my life. And I think I've been ready for a while. I think that guy dated in, in 2015, I think once school ended now, when I reflect back on that, I think once school ended, I think I was gearing myself up to channel all the energy that I put into school into being his partner, but Mm. then it ended before that could happen. And so now the last handful of years, it's been, I, I have this energy that I'm willing to give in a partnership and I don't know where to put it because I haven't met anybody that I feel, (laughs) I haven't met anybody. I feel like my family won't rip to shreds. (laughs) I mean, I think the word here is worthiness, right? Someone who's worthy of that. And because someone you need to be able to bring someone home and your family attempt to rip them to shreds and then they still stand there. And yeah. I mean, the way I look at it with my family is I feel like what's supposed to happen? Your family should have your back and question them and double check that they're minding their P's and Q's. Which is a huge, can be a huge hurdle because it is really hard. It can take a couple months. Always is <laughs> right away. Yeah. Well, some families do that, Nikki. And I just don't understand like Mm-mm. girl bye. like you Mm-mm. just showed up we're going to need six months before we get comfortable with you. Like, don't even expect any more, any time less than that. If you get less than that, then you're really fucking special. <laughs> I told my brother, I was like, listen, whoever you bring home, I'm going to have to deal with. I was yes. like, so you better pick accordingly because I love you and don't bring someone in, up into our relationship is going to cause me to not want to communicate with you. Right. When I see that represented in TV and movies where the partner kind of gets in the way of the family, that breaks my heart because like, no, that's not love. That's not love. Bordering emotional abuse because you should not be getting in the way of me having a relationship with my parents. Do I have an unhealthy relationship with my parents? I mean, maybe. So instead of being like, stop having a relationship, like getting in the way of that, help me in a healthy way, detach. Yeah. Like we are a celebratory family. Like my mom, we celebrate everything. You got a promotion. We celebrate you sneezed. We celebrate. Like we celebrate everything. Everyone's vaccinated. Let's celebrate. (laughs) So, so if you're, if you're coming from a family that doesn't do celebrating and then you don't sort of get comfortable with our culture of celebrating, it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's absolutely real. I know I can't tell my family members to think of me when you're dating them, but I tell them, (laughs) think of me when you're dating them. Am I going to like them? Because, you know, I will or I won't, but my family and I are so close knit. We can talk about things like that. Right. I've got a cousin who acts like, you know, a big brother to me and is always like double checking any of the men that I'm even considering. I'm mm-hmm. talking to. It would be very difficult to fall in love with someone who you knew would not get along with your family. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot, at least for me, because like you, family is very important. Um, I communicate with my family regularly. Like you said, mm-hmm. is it healthy? I don't know. I don't know. It, just Somebody, is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah. All the time. I don't really care. But <laughs> we have a family group chat. We texted it every single yeah. day. I have a couple of different family group chats, but someone who is going to be a part of my life, mm-hmm. there are certain things that they have to understand when you 
are in a relationship with me, I know with me, there's certain things you're going to get. Mm-hmm. I don't do well taking the trash to the curb. It's just a thing. My grandma's yelling about my poor habits with taking the trash out since I was a child. I'm trying to do better, but I'm not quite there yet. Um, so, but it, because I know of my flaws, I yeah. am open to understanding my partner's flaws as well. Right. Family is everything to me. Yes. Because how can you even create your own unit of the family tree if if the person you're bringing in doesn't appreciate the roots that you came from? You don't. Exactly. <laughs> you don't because you can't, right? Some people who they don't have as close-knit relationships with their family as I do with mine or like you're saying with you do with yours. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. But if you are, at least you can respect and eventually kind of get comfortable in the fold of this is my dynamic. Right. Then okay, that sounds good. And you might not love it, but you'll work with it because you love me and you know this is what comes with me. You can do that for me. I promise to do something like that for you. Like who I'm willing to casually date mm-hmm. versus who I would consider in an actual relationship are two different things. Mm. You know what? You're right. And honestly, I didn't have the language to say it that way because I haven't like truly dated in six years it's been Mm -hmm. a lot of casual dating that the casualness I don't I don't have a real I don't have like a start and a stop Mm -hmm. I mean I'm not going like crazy deep on the older end or like super deep on the younger end either but I don't know I'm just kind of open to it if the chemistry is right um, you know, if the chemistry is right, if you're good to me and a couple of other things I probably shouldn't talk about because your mom's on here. Um, <laughs> sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. Um, you know, a couple other things. Um, and as long as those things match up and act right, okay, cool. I'm okay yeah. to casually date you. But if I'm looking for someone realistic, like someone that actually wants to stick around, because every relationship you enter, you already know what it's going to be. Right. I'm entering this for the short term or I'm entering this for the long term for the most part. Sometimes yeah. people switch it up on you and you get surprised. Um, but you usually know what the game is when you walk into a situation. So for men that I casually date, I have a very wide range of what I'm open to. Right. But I will say that I tend to casually date, I don't know, like I'm not gonna say like a younger age, but mm-hmm. younger versus older yeah I tend to casually date younger versus older I feel like sometimes with the younger they're not really into wanting something more either they're not ready for it and I think that's fair so it makes it easier I'm generalizing here Um, so it feels like it's a little bit easier to date casually with the younger audience yeah I'm just going out to have a good time and we're gonna go out together and have a good time and make a weekend out of it or whatever or a night of it and when my son was little and we were doing baseball little league and you know, some of the dads would be like, you're a man hater. And I'm like, I don't understand how you got there because I like, I'm one, I'm a hopeless romantic, which doesn't always come across, but I, I want my life to be a (laughs) rom-com or, you know, an eight part mini series about love. Like, I don't care. Like give me the buttoned up 30 minutes mini series or an hour and a half movie for my life. Um, And so I was having a conversation with somebody who, you know, a friend out of town about this experience where I was expressing my frustrations and, you know, I was just feeling a little overwhelmed by the situation at work and da da da. And and it was like, oh, you're a man hater. 
And she was like, you're a threat. You are capable of handling your own business. You take care of yourself. Like from the surface, it doesn't look like you need anyone. You don't need to be cared for, which really, if you pull back the layers, I am very emotionally needy. <laughs> but I mean, but I'm not emotionally needy. I, I have, I come home and I want, I have the weight of the world and I want somebody to be there to sort of hug me and like share the weight of the world. Right. Like yeah. I don't, I, I want to know that when I come home and I have a hurdle at work or like the news is really hard right now. And it's, yeah. you know, yeah. I want somebody to like, just kind of like do like the, like the little shoulder squeeze and be like, babe, yeah. you know, I understand how can I support you? And I want to do the same in return. And yeah. I haven't found that. So if I can't express concern and feel what I feel in front of you about those things, and you're going to minimize it we can't be together because I don't want to come out of a tension world into my house and still feel like I have to be on guard. You don't need someone you want someone. Mm -hmm. And to me, I think that is where you should be when it comes to being in a relationship. I have openly told men, I don't need you. I have been in relationships, not relationships, situationships with men where they have said (laughs) situationships. Can we coin that? I love that. I've been in situationships, not to digress. Yeah. Yeah. Where I've just been, they're like, well, I know, you know, if you, if we don't work out, you're just going to go to that next dude who's on your phone. And I'm like, pause. I'm not because I don't need a man in my life. And that is very real. I'm very comfortable with myself and I'm cool with just me and me alone. Mm -hmm. But I don't need someone. I don't ever want to need anyone. Yeah. I want someone. And that is different because piggybacking of what you're saying, when I step out into this world, I put on my armor. Yeah. When I come home, I want to be able to walk in the door, shut the door, lock it, and take my armor off. Yes. And to have someone there for that is very important. And like you said, to also want to be there mm-hmm. for someone in that same mannerism, I think is beautiful. You can't be mad at someone because they understand that wrong is wrong. Right. You can't be mad that they're trying to shout from the rooftops. I see you're wrong mm-hmm. and you need to change your wrong mm-hmm. because the more voices that lend to the cause, the better, not the least, the more. Right. I, I understand this better now than I did 20 years ago, but I understand that I haven't, I need to be better about helping elevate voices that do have to, that do get the blatant racial prejudice because right. I'm, I'm fetishized. I'm a fetish for people. Even if they don't want to say it's a fetish, it 100% is a fetish because they can't figure out what I am. I look exotic or I look different or I look yep. beautiful or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm, I, there's a level of protection I have because for the longest time of my life, I was the most beautiful person in the room. Mm-hmm. So there's a level of prote- protection there. I yeah. get that. So now I under- I better understand that I need to use my power that I have in helping elevate my sisters who don't have that same level of protection. Yes. Did you see this movie? It's called Something New. So this movie, Something New, it came out in 2006. It stars, how do you, Sanaa L- Lathan? I don't oh, know yeah. how to say mm-hmm. Okay. I, I apologize for a huge person in the game. Yeah. Like I apologize for not saying her name. I've never actually had to say her name. I've only re- ever read her name. So that's oh, part yeah. of the problem. And then 
Simon, Simon Baker plays is the love interest. And, you know, she's black, he's white. What is interesting to me about that movie, movie. So they do a whole lot of the whole like cultural differences. Like her parents are very, like her dad's very understanding, but there's this whole like, and her brother's played by um, Donald Faison. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's this whole thing about like, you know, she's very successful in her industry. She's works at a, she's math, whatever. So Simon's character, Mm -hmm. they get set up on a blind date and she's like clearly uncomfortable because like he's white, she's black, whatever. Yeah. Then we meet Blair Underwood's character and you're just like, "Mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. But then he's kind of icky. So she wears a hairpiece, right? She's got extensions. They're silky smooth and straight. And she's at the hair salon. She's like, take him out. Just take him out. Do it. Cause she's going through this life change. Cause Simon, this hippy dippy garden architect guy is like getting in her head so takes him out and then she's got this beautiful hair that is just like oh girl you're way prettier with your hair like this and so simon's at her house because he she hires him to be his landscaper and he's like oh my god and she's like what because she's insecure because she's been wearing a fucking weave for like probably her whole life and so he's like I knew it I knew he would be more beautiful and I was like firstly yeah she is more beautiful and thank you for appreciating her in her natural hair state because we don't we're not allowed to be that and two so at the time I was like oh it's so romantic I love it and then as I'm like getting older I'm like I need a black man to say that to her Hollywood, give us, give us that, please. I can't, I'm not going to judge an interracial relationship situation in Hollywood. That's my parents. Yeah. At the same time, it was like, I need to see this type of love and appreciation in like every form. Yeah, absolutely. Not just a blonde guy. I need it. I need Blair Underwood to say it. We could actually have like a, a, podcast episode on black love in Hollywood I just had a conversation last night with a friend of mine who's white and I told I said to her well there was a black man in the room a Hispanic man in the room and a white woman in the room and we were watching a stupid Hobbs and Shaw movie that like none of us got through but we were watching it for the sake of watching the ridiculousness yeah. But anyway, um, I fell asleep, I don't know, probably 30 minutes then for sure. And then there's The Rock, this beautiful man. And I said, and he has a white wife too. Yeah. And I was just like, and it's not even an issue because then the black man in the room was like, well, love is love, right? And I was yeah. like, is it? Is it? Because my issue is not that love is love. My issue is that, as Kanye said, basically paraphrased, but you know, when black and brown men in Hong Hollywood get to a particular level. Their girl who has usually been their ride or die or seen them go through all their tumultuousness to go from nothing to something mm-hmm. usually gets swapped out for someone Hollywood would more appreciate. Yeah. And that is hard too, because when, you know, coming from a mixed relationship, being the product of a mixed marriage and a mixed relationship, how can we achieve the portrayal of love is love? And it not be complicated. I mean, love yeah. is complicated anyway. So, so the movie gave me other appreciations as well. This man acknowledging a woman's beauty in her true form is just so wonderful yeah. because we don't get a lot of that, um, or at least we didn't back then. Yeah. Ouch. Back then, two thousand six. <laughs> if you really want to like 
get crazy analytical about it. You know, the fact that you have, it's like that it's like white validation. And so like, I struggle a lot between the two worlds because, um, that's the life of a mixed person. Yeah. I, cause I want to believe love is love and I want to see like all kinds of mixed representation. But on the other hand of that, like our entire lives, we've seen white narratives. They're not bad, but like, right. that's the majority of what we're seeing. So now I'd like to see more. And that's, what's great about <laughs> tie it back to the resident. And yeah. that's, what's great about the resident is that they do have sort of this robust representation of the different loves that are out there, whether it's racial or age. So when I say I want a black man to say that to a black woman, it's not rooted in racial prejudice. It's rooted in, we've spent so many years hearing white actors say that to other white actors that I want a mainstream black love. That's what's great about the photograph. Have you seen the photograph? Okay. Yes. But I honestly was thinking about this is us. Oh, this is Randall and his wife. Yes. Randall and Beth are exactly what you're talking about, where Beth keeps her hair natural and whatever style she feels like for that week, right? Yeah. She does that. And it's always, it's never, and here's the thing, with what you're talking about, there's that validation of it's okay for you to have your hair natural because there's so much history behind it, right? Yeah, we're told and- from the jump that we're not allowed to have natural hair. Find me a movie that it's literally the first movie where a curly hair girl gets a makeover and she gets to keep her curly hair. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, I can't, I can't even get into that because that's just, but yeah. We'll do a whole that other is- episode on that. <laughs> yeah, and this is us. Beth has her hair natural all the time, mm-hmm. right? Very styled. And what I love about it is it's never brought up. Yeah. Why? Because it's normal. Yes. You know, it's the hair that comes out of her head and she's doing whatever the hell she wants with it. It's a normal style. It doesn't need to be brought up. It doesn't need to be validated to an extent because this is just regular schmegular. Right. right? But now we are at a point where we can expect natural hair to be regular schmegular mm-hmm. before that was not the case. Selena Waithe did a scary movie on Black women's hair in Hollywood. And I haven't watched it for that same thing because yeah. it's, it's triggering. It, yeah. It's triggering. You are told to straighten your hair. You're not allowed to have your natural state out. No one even knows how what to call your hair. And then the shit they put on our hair. I didn't experience it as much as you have, but I do have a handful of experiences where like some of the stuff that is put on our hair is not okay. Like that shit is bad for you and you're willingly marketing it to children. Yes. Relaxers. To give them the silky smooth hair that every girl desires. No, I I feel you. It's, but I, I want to see it because it's Lena Waithe and she always puts the truth and what she does. And so I really want to see it and I want to support her. I think yeah. maybe I'll watch it. Everything that she's behind, she's so for helping people who maybe not have access to the opportunities. She's about creating those opportunities. And I think that's amazing. Like she's, she literally kicked the door open and then is now being like, all right, who else can I get in? Yes. Between her and Issa Rae oh. and Jordan Peele. Yeah. I'm just like, thank you guys. Thank How about you. when Issa Rae announced her HBO deal? I was like, yes, girl, give us more. Like Insecure is amazing. And I, what I love about Issa is that, so tying it back to the photograph and dating and black love, there's this beautiful 
movie about this woman who has a complicated relationship with her mother on her journey of discovering more about her mom. She meets this guy who just, oh my God, this woman is amazing and beautiful. And like just the connection that they had on screen. And it was just so beautiful to watch. I don't know if you saw this, but somebody posted a TikTok. I think I reshared it where he was like, stop telling us that our lives started with slavery. Stop giving us movies where we're re-experiencing trauma. Stop, you know, all these things. And I was like, yeah, I'm actually here for that because I want like, like 10 things I hate about you is one of my favorite movies from adolescence. Like, what would it mean if we had a m- movies like that, but with a more diverse cast or, you know, predominantly black cast or just whatever, you know, so yeah. it's not solely just a white narrative. And like, I want, I'm, I can't, I can't do the trauma movies anymore. It's um, too much. It's too much. I don't need to be reminded that my, you know, that my people are brutalized and have been and okay. were, I don't need that okay. reminder. I want, I want Sylvie's love right? Like when that yeah. movie came out, yeah. like well, give I'm us more of that. There's, there's a big push for, like you're saying, like no more black trauma films. And that is one of the reasons, okay, there's two thoughts. There's one of the reasons why I love um, Living Single, mm. right? Which apparently was the footprint for Friends, which makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, on the show Blackish, the daughter. Yeah. Her grownish. Yeah. No, no, no. The younger one. Oh, Diane. Yeah, the one who plays Diane, her name starts with an M and I can't remember what it is right now. Marseille Martin. So she produced a movie already, right? With Issa Rae in it and a few other people, uh, Regina Hall and Issa Rae. Oh, are you about Little? Yes, that did Gangbusters and now she's working on other deals and she specifically came out, this is like in the last two weeks. Yeah. She said, I am not doing, and don't ever ask me to do any black trauma films. Good for her. And she is, she, she's not even 15. I don't think it's not fair. And same with like trauma for other cultures too. Like I saw a movie, a guy took me on a date to go see the house of sand and fog, which is an intense movie. It's based on a book. Interesting date. It doesn't end well for Mm -hmm. the minority family that moves into this neighborhood. I just need to see. Yeah, well, that's, that's, there's a reason why it was only one date. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one and done. Mm-hmm. But I want, I want a robust representation, like, and that you know, that's uh, there's a conversation about blind casting happening a lot lately, and I don't know if blind casting is the um, solution. It was always, I'll just say, understood by the higher ups that be in Hollywood, which manifests the representation that we see on our TV screens and in the magazines, right? That if you have a diverse cast, it's not going to do numbers. Mm, Yeah, well, Black Panther blew that up. Exactly. That was (laughs) one of the big pulls and appreciation for Black Panther, because not only was it Black Panther, but Ryan Coogler, you know, was the director for it, and it was a majority Black cast, and all of those things, and it killed any any other Avengers movie that had come out previously right so there have been a lot of movies that have led up to that moment and there are a lot of movies that have now been able to be created and have the proper funding since that movie mm-hmm. right it's been um a launching pad for so many other moments and so many other uh creative tvs movies and ideas that I'm appreciative for because black people we are more than our trauma Yeah. And I feel like allow us to share the stories that aren't traumatic. There's so many platforms now where we can control our own narratives. 
Yeah. So it's almost as if big Hollywood, you have to get on board. Sure. You're always going to outpace the platforms where you can be your own content creator. Like that's always that at this point sound seems like it'll always be true. Right. However, you can now become a person who is incredibly successful by creating your own content and having millions of whatever, because of these platforms that allow us to produce our own content and put it out there. Netflix noticed Netflix was like, Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, we'll give, we'll give, we'll give Kenya Burris a multi-million dollar deal. Like we'll give all these people, like we'll produce these things. And then it was really interesting because a couple of years ago, Steven Spielberg sort of spoke out and criticized all these like Netflix movies being nominated for the Academy Awards. And one of the people, I forget specifically who it was that clapped back and was like, well, big Hollywood's not giving us the opportunity. Netflix is. Thank Thank you. Yeah. So like, yeah. And I thought Steven Spielberg, come on, you should know better. You're course correcting West side story for crying out loud. (laughs) Yeah. But it's true. You know, Netflix and and Hulu too, and Hulu's owned by Disney. They redid high fidelity with Zoe um, Kravitz. Mm -hmm. It's so good. Have you watched it? Yes. Yes. (sighs) I, I enjoyed it. I definitely enjoyed it. This is the problem with never leaving where you lived. If I had left her, that whole thing totally could have been my life. I feel like <laughs> owning a music shop, yeah. living, you know, living off of my cigarettes and whiskey. Like <laughs> she said that could have been me. <laughs> yeah. I having these tortured true. relationships. Like, oh man, I yeah. actually had a friend text me. He was like, have you seen this? And I was like, oh yeah, I totally binged it. The first day it came out and they were like, Oh, cause it totally reminded me of like something that you would like. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, yeah, no big deal, no big deal, but that could have been my life. Yeah. There is a beautiful moment that just gives this pure moment of love. And we don't see a lot of that when it's a non-white cast and that's really hard. And I think that's why the internet blew up about Sylvie's love. I think that's why so many people got behind that movie because there wasn't really any trauma. They lightly touched on the racial prejudice in there. Nobody really batted an eyelash when this woman gave up her entire career for a guy to live in Detroit. Yeah. (laughs) Because we got to see them actually be in love and not be like brutalized in their love. Yeah. And it was that movie was done really well. I just love love. (laughs) <laughs> um, you know what's funny? I will tell you that I I grew up such a uh, skeptic of, of love. love. Really? It wasn't that like I didn't believe in love. It was that I didn't want to believe in love because I had never seen it really work out. Oh, interesting. So I wanted to believe in love and I wanted to believe in what it could be. And or geez, quoting more music in the power of love, Lord, um, that's a throwback. I, I always wanted to believe in it, but the reality around me was that love isn't like anything that I was actually seeing. So Disney and I were not friends at the young age because I was like, that's not real life. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where's my prince? I'm yeah, ready for my exactly. prince to like, show I, up. <laughs> I didn't care for rom-coms. I was cynical. I, I was cynical about love from probably too young of an age. But I was like, love doesn't look like this. So yeah. the hell with Disney, the hell with Barbie, the hell with rom-coms. I, I was just, it's unrealistic. And my, no one's life looks like this. So I was so anti. And then one day, you know, cause you get older and you realize what your own problems are. Yeah. And I realized, oh, I've always wanted to be in love. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I've always wanted to just feel the fuzzies mm-hmm. and the warmth and the comfort mm-hmm. of of being in love. I want to be, I want to be the little spoon of love. Yeah. You know, but I just I never thought it was possible. So for the longest of time, I just kind of checked out. Yeah. 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 I love the feeling of being unconditionally loved. Yeah. Even if it only lasted six months, which that's, you know, yeah. life, but I love that feeling. And I think I'm constantly chasing that. So when there is that glimmer of like, Oh, you're being critical of me in a way that makes me uncomfortable. We're done. So opposite of you, the reason why I love rom-coms is because you get that you, you have that, that. it's in there. That's the element. Yeah. And for me, I'm just like, that's, that's what I want. I want somebody to unconditionally love me and think that my quirks are adorable. And then also do the dishes because I fucking hate doing the dishes. (laughs) I love it on your IG story. You're like, 8 a.m. This is what my dishes look like. And then you're like, 4 p.m. My dishes are still fucking here. It's like, I came in this morning from walking the dog and I was like, that's not teenage boy smell. That's the dishes. You know, like some women want men who cook. You just like, I just want a man who's down to do the dishes. Yeah. I dated a guy one time a handful of years ago where like when he would come to pick me up for our dates and if there were dishes in the sink, he would just like beeline and like do the dishes and then be like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, is it too soon to say I love you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You, you don't, you don't know what you just did, but you just got yourself some Nikki tonight. So thank you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah little things like that. Like I dated a guy once who I I don't really care for Valentine's day in the romantic sense because I love just people. I love, I love showering them with love anyway, but I do love still kind of doing some sort of ceremony of Valentine's day. I just think it's like for my family, right. For my kid, for my parents, whatever. And so I was dating this guy one time and he's like, should we do something for Valentine's day? And I said, well, it actually falls on family film night. So you're more than welcome to join us for that. I'll have treats and we'll have snacks and we're going to watch a movie and it's just going to, cause it fell on a weekend that year. He was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like no big deal about Valentine's day. He's like, no big deal about Valentine's day. Like I'm not a, really a fan. He's like, cool. Cause I'm not really either. Yeah. Very but cool. he showed up with a dozen pink roses, which are my favorite anyway and I showed up and I still got him something like so so even though like we were like it's not we have zero expectations other than like let's spend time together and create this family time with my parents and my kid he still he still showed up he made an effort and that's really nice and I didn't blatantly say I love pink roses this was something that I had said in a conversation kind of in passing it wasn't like a you know my favorite flower is and Valentine's Day is coming it was like in a conversation I had said oh pink roses are so beautiful they're my favorite I love blah blah so I like I didn't even realize it's one of those things that you don't catalog because you don't think it you know you just have a conversation and it goes so he the fact that he remembered that's super sweet. That's right. Super yeah, that's, that's real sweet. That's double points. Double points. Yeah. Five okay. months later, we broke up. <laughs> it happens. It happens. Love takes work, and I I think people don't talk about that enough. 
I'm in a position now where I'm actually, I think I'm willing to do the work five years ago. I don't think I was, but I was also finishing up um, undergrad and that took a lot of time, but now I've got undergrad under my belt. I've got grad school under my belt. My career's in a place where I can live with it for the next, at least until my child's out of college that I think that I have, I, 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 I'm choosing to believe I have the bandwidth now to actually do the work for a relationship. Yeah. And I still live here. So that shit's not going to (laughs) happen. No, 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 it's possible because um, you could still look outside of Modesto. Yeah. So my joke is when- Manteca? Oh my God, Manteca, girl, come on. So I have this joke. I'm going to realize my lifelong dream of losing 75 pounds and becoming a trophy wife to a guy in LA (laughs) who just wants a trophy wife. Yeah. Yeah. We have an understanding. You, You sustain my lifestyle which is pretty, pretty simple at this point. Like I'm pretty low maintenance unless I'm released in a bookstore and then, and then you can do whatever you want. I just tired of paying my own bills (laughs) doing it for so long now. I'm tired of it. Like help me. I'm tired of being an adult. Can someone adult for me? And I just kind of live my life. That would be good. It's so like, I'm just, I'm exhausted some days. I had to put everything on auto pay because it was getting to the point where it's like, fuck, I forgot to pay that again. Like, (laughs) not really my dream for anybody who's listening out there. I don't really believe that I want, like, don't believe that I really and truly want to become a trophy wife. It's just a fun joke to like get through the days that are hard. Yeah. To think about just, you know, having a little bit of that financial responsibility taken off your shoulders. In all truth though, I, I, it would be nice to like have that be a shared responsibility. Cause when you're the only one, especially at that point when I was unemployed, that was really scary. If I hadn't had a good relationship with my parents and we didn't live so close to each other, I don't, I don't know if we would have made it. And I've never been in a position where I could actually have savings. It's always been survival. And I think that's the root of my joke about being a trophy wife and having someone pay for everything. So what I'm understanding about us and love and Hollywood is that Hollywood needs to do better. (laughs) That's an understatement. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. But I think they're on their way, but I appreciate having these conversations with you about love because I think sometimes it's hard to talk about love when you're not a white person. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like when you're, when all of your friends are white and you talk about love, there's like a different lens that hits. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. Did I just tokenize culture. you? Oh my God. <laughs> it's, it's a lens called culture yeah. that, that isn't typically used. And um, I can't lie. I use that lens when I'm looking for love yeah. because there's a basic level of understanding that I'm looking for in my partner. Mm-hmm. And as we mentioned earlier, I already have to put on a whole lot of armor when I walk outside this door. Yeah, I basically have to um, there's, there's a lot as a black woman, we have to face in the world. Your armor comes on before you leave the house. And when you come home, you want to be able to take it off. Yeah. And having someone that understands your armor and the depth of that armor is just really fundamental to me. When you find that person who, when, when that's something that's important to you to look for in a partner, it's makes the journey a little bit harder because not a lot of people understand what it's like to live in the margins. When we have movies and television that talk about it, I think it helps people 
understand and it gives us better language to be able to say look hollywood is trying to catch up but they're going a little slow you look at love differently depending on your life experiences and the age of yourself Mm -hmm. right and the realities in your world around you i'm at a point where I have reflected upon the type of man that I've been with and I've reflected upon the type of man that I actually want because mm-hmm. that has not always been the same. Yeah, that's a powerful statement. And so I understand who I am. I kind of always understood, but I haven't always allowed me to be me. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a place where I've allowed me to be me. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of people in my life who I've seen the change of what that looks like. Mm-hmm. And so having a man for me in an actual relationship, they need to be able to be okay with the full gamut of who I am mm-hmm. um, because I am multifaceted, but I also retrospectively will understand that in them because I am that person as well. Yeah. So I look forward to love encompassing that. I look forward to finding love with someone who understands that love is work. Mm -hmm. and that together we will work on love with each other yeah just because you fall in love doesn't mean that the end of it and you don't ever have to do anything else beginning the happily ever after is just the beginning I hope you take the chance on the titles we talked about today. If you didn't catch them all don't worry I will do my best to get it up on the website for you Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Talk to you next time.